On today's show, our special guest is Chef Lainey Carey of The Fig and the Judge, a brand new restaurant at the Seattle Renaissance Hotel. She was formerly at White House Crawford in Walla Walla. Also plenty of news from around town and beyond, and all kinds of events from our calendar to discuss, including Father's Day. It's all coming up next on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... B&E Meats and Seafood, your neighborhood butcher with four locations to serve you in Des Moines, Berrien, Newcastle, and the top of Queen Anne Hill. Unique products, great meats, the freshest seafood, and a knowledgeable, friendly staff make shopping at B&E Meats and Seafood the best choice. Hello everyone, this is Wayne Johnson from Fair Start. I am here to welcome you to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the June 2018 Seattle Dining Show, number 1806. I hate to scare everyone, but we are now halfway through the year. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining, and he does not look scared about that. No, because it's only June, so you're, you're five-twelfths of the way through. June is the sixth month of the year. Yeah, but we're at the first part of June. Oh, okay, so. so I can relax. Yeah. Okay, excellent. <laughs> I feel better already. Thanks. So today, what I'm thinking about... You know, though, it's kind of like it is a new year. I got a new microphone. Oh, yeah, and some new cords. I don't have to wear long underwear anymore because it's warmer. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a new year. It's like it's like we just went through Christmas or something. <laughs> you, you gifted yourself new cords and a new microphone. You are, you are too good to yourself. <laughs> Well, what I wanted to discuss this month is why in a city near all kinds of bodies of water and why in a city that has a really nice skyline do we have so few waterfront restaurants and so few restaurants in high places? You know, there used to be like the Mirabu. I'm really showing my age here, and I used to love the Polynesian um, which, by the way, Ron Holden said to me, that ship has sailed, because that was only like 40 <laughs> years ago. But um, I, I'm wondering about that, and I was talking to Ron, and he was his take is um, there aren't any great waterfront restaurants because we don't have to. The waterfront restaurants range from okay to pretty good, but not great, and it may not be possible because the property's so expensive, you'd have to have a high-priced menu unless you're Ivers, you know, with that long history. What do you think? Um, well, I, I was kind of counting this out on my fingers, and I think I ran out at the second hand of how many actual waterfront restaurants we do have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and then I started thinking about places where we ought to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, Green Lake. Yeah. They're all across the street. You can't see the lake. Yeah. We need one on Green Lake. We need one up here in Carkeek Park. We need a waterfront mm. restaurant in Kirkeek Park. At, down at the park or something? Down in the where you could look over the train tracks and well, the water? That's a, see, I think the train tracks is the problem. Yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah, maybe up on the little bluff up above the train track, and then you can watch the train come through. Yeah. 
Um, Some of those places are going to take up park space, though, and that's oh, public yeah. space. Oh, yeah. That... Everybody's going to get in trouble if they try to build these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that may be part of it too. Is that there were some other ones that have gone away, and they've been the areas have been open to more public things, and they don't want to take that away. I don't know. Yeah, like like we need one at Gasworks Park. Yeah, you know we used to have the Arnie's around the corner from Gasworks Park, but that's yeah. long gone. That's long gone. And then they never. Uh, I don't know what they make that a marine supply company yeah. or something. Yeah. Not even a waterfront Mm-mm. restaurant anymore. And you've got your McCormick's and Schmick's on the other side of Lake Union, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't know. And then high places have really disappeared. Like, you know, there used to be the Marabou and even... Um, the as Cloud Room. The Cloud Room's gone. I think it's still there if you're, if you're a member of the private club now. Yeah. Well, we have all these new buildings downtown, but not a whole lot of yeah. super high restaurants in the top yeah. of them. And later in the show, we're going to be talking to the chef of the new restaurant, Fig and Judge, which is in the Renaissance Hotel. Mm-hmm. And they have a place on the 20th floor, but it's called the something lounge, something and lounge. And it is for elite members. So, oh, yeah. So, and, and, so we're not going there. Yeah. So it, that's not a public high place. And you'd think with the, some of the hotels and, and maybe, again, go back to Ron's thing, but maybe that's just too expensive. Yeah. You know, the Columbia Tower has the Tower Club, but not everybody's a member. Right. So, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting. Maybe we have to get even bigger. Wouldn't that be scary? Hmm. Well, maybe we could just have the city council uh, do a proclamation that uh, the first February, the first Monday in February of every month, all private clubs must be open to the public. Maybe. And you know they don't even they don't even, they wouldn't even have to put that to the vote of the people. They can just zoom that right through yeah. the city council, right? That's how they do it now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I've got a better idea. I think they should do a head tax on every employee, and then that money goes into opening restaurants in high places on the water. No, no, you do the head tax, and then you give every person who you head taxed, you give them a free tent. <laughs> Because they can no longer live in the city. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I, I don't know, and maybe you have some ideas, but I don't know what happens in other cities. Like, we used to have some high restaurants in high places, and they're gone. Now, are there still places like that in San Francisco or New York or L.A.? Or has that gone the way of the dodo? I think that uh, San Francisco Chamber of Commerce needs to contact us and have us come down and do an investigative report. That's a good idea. Yeah. We Set better, us up. We better get to New York, too. I'd like to see that. Yep. All right. Let's, I, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah, I don't either. That would be interesting to know if this is a trend that has gone away and who knows it may come back or if it's just Seattle or what. I think Tom Douglas should just take his house and turn it into a public restaurant out in Blue Ridge. Oh, there you go. And then we get that nice water view oh, and Tom can make us some ribs and mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. You know, we have friends who live in Blue Ridge. We should suggest that they do that with their house. Yeah. I'm sure the neighbors would be okay with it. Sure. You could change that residential ordinance yeah. to a commercial. Just just, just like go that. to the city council. They'll take care of it. And for you me. know what? Plenty of parking. Nobody's going to get upset <laughs> That's about right. that. <laughs> well, we'll have, have uh, Ubers and buses and all this stuff. He'd ride an electric bike to Tom Douglas's house. <laughs> you know, we may actually hear from Tom after this episode. <laughs> Gosh. Well, let's talk a bit about where we've been eating. 
I went to Georgetown and tried Brother Joe, which is owned by Duo's Catering. And in the morning, it's... By who? Duo's Catering, D-U-O-S. Okay. Duo's Catering. I thought that was a PR firm in the city. Duo mm. PR? I think there might be a Duo PR, but this is yeah. Duo's okay. Catering. Um, and it's a coffee place... In the morning, and then they serve lunch, and then in the evening, it's a venue. Oh, that's where the name Brother Joe comes from. Joe, like get a oh, cup of Joe. Oh, maybe so. I <laughs> did not I did not ever think about that. Uh, that's why there's two of us doing this show. Exactly. You've got to have help. <laughs> but it was uh, quite good. I had a Cuban sandwich that was really good, um, and they've got a brisket that gets rave reviews. I did not try that one, of course. Can't eat everything all at once. But I thought it was kind of a fun place, and the community seems to really be supporting it. It was quite busy. Mm, good. So that was good. Good. Then I tried Fair Start's Community Table, and and you probably haven't heard a lot about this because when they opened it, it's part of the 25,000 square feet that Amazon gifted Fair uh-huh. Start, and it was going to be an Amazon cafeteria only. And then they decided, you know, it's right here. People have access. We should let everybody come in. So right now, it's a salad bar kind of place. They've got barbecue. They've got a bowl area with a lot of quinoa stuff, and you can, you know, make up your own bowl. Um, and then a lot of space with tables. And it's all, it's all windows. It's light and airy. Pull to the right, will you? I'd like you to pull to the right right now. Pull. Okay, there. Did you hear the siren? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I thought I was not off the microphone or something. I was like... I'm not that quick this morning. <laughs> but anyway, that's an option, and um, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know about it yet. I have to say, I was there at like 11.30, mm-hmm. and by the time it was about 12.15, there was three other people there, and I thought, boy, this is not going well. And then by about 1 o'clock, the place was pretty busy, so it seems to be a later lunch crowd. Oh, okay. Um, so they... People do know about it, or they could have all been Amazon people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, something to look into, anyway. And then the most recent place I went, which I I found very likable, was the Woodenville Cut Shop. And this is taking over the old McCorries on the slough in Woodenville. So if you're going coming into Woodenville, instead of turning left to go downtown, you go right, and eventually you'll go up and around the corner and past the wineries, you know, down toward. Uh-huh. Um, before you ever go there, when you turn right um, to go up the street, it's on the left, like a block down. Um, oh, I never went to McCory's, I don't no, think. No, I think it was a real dive. I think I went to FX McCory's before. No, but McCrory's. Oh, McCrory's. This is McCory's. Oh, oh, oh okay. C-O-R-R-Y-S. Um, I think it was a real dive, and I think it had gone... Downhill from Dive. I never wanted to go in. It looked kind of scary to me. Hmm. Um, but they have cleaned it up. It's a concrete floor, a lot of wood. It's kind of a throwback restaurant. They have a, a, a bar with nice seats around it, and they've got some communal tables as well as high tables and some booths. And they, they're doing Americana with a few twists. Like they've, they're doing, um, uh, what am I trying to say? I, I'm going to have to skip because my mind has gone blank. Anyway, they have a really good burger. They've got some chicken salad sandwich. They've got a wrap. They, at lunchtime, they had probably three or four salads, which looked really good. So you can go in there and get you know, a heavier meal, or you can go in and have a nice salad, um, uh-huh. obviously a full bar. So I think it's pretty fun. All right. 
Well, I have not been eating out a lot. Did we talk about Maslow's on the show last month? I'm not sure we did. We went down for a burger and brews night at Maslow's, and uh, yeah, it's a nice place. Also, it's one of the fair start places that was gifted by Amazon. And uh, good, good spot to go if you work down in, uh, what do you call it, Westlake? South Lake Union. South Lake Union. Yeah, if you're working down in South Lake Union and uh, you don't want to drive your car at 6 o'clock at night, you go and get a burger over at Maslow's. Or, they got other stuff on the menu, too. Yeah, yeah. They've got a full menu. So that was one. Um, and, and that is um, Chef Sarah Lorenzen, who moved there from Andaluca. So oh, you yeah. know there's some skill coming in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I went to a little place down in Georgetown with you that helps us out with cooking with class. What's oh, we went to see you, Dad. Yeah, see your dad. See your dad grill. Yes. You went to we went to see your dad. No, <laughs> see your dad. And that was quite good. Kind of interesting. It's a little bit of uh, sort of uh, Brazilian steakhouse meets uh, Mediterranean. Interesting twist of stuff. Yeah, and um, and it's grilled all grilled outside, and you know that's. And I've been cooking at home a lot because I've been uh, trying to lose some weight, and I'm having some success. Combining yes, uh, smart fat with the fast diet. So uh, a couple of, of things that I've been enjoying at home. I'm just going to run through them real quick. Okay. Uh, Umqua Valley grass-fed lamb is available at PCC. Quite good lamb. Mm. Uh, not gamey because it's grown down in Oregon instead of New Zealand. Although the fat on it is a bit gamey. Yeah, well, you can cut that off. Yeah. You don't have to eat it. But if you do eat it because it's grass-fed, it's not going to you know clog your heart up. So. Right. Um, I've been uh, making some ribs with the red duck barbecue sauce, and I do a little addition to my sauce on top of that. Mm, another uh, little secret. Yeah, I think I think we'll print it someday. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I picked up a couple bottles of Trader Joe's new organic wines, and uh, they were actually quite good. Yeah. And I didn't have a headache after I got done with them. Oh, good. I didn't drink them all on the same night. Yeah, best best not to do that. Um. The other thing we tried beverage-wise was Cascade Ice, and they have canned lemon-lime sort of sparkling. Sparkling water. Water, yeah. But it's organic. It's all organic. So It's all, all organic essences. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And just to go back, because I hate it when I have those complete brain blocks, I was trying to say mushroom stroganoff. Oh, okay. So instead of being beef stroganoff like the American classic, it's mushroom stroganoff, smoked, foraged, and cultivated mushrooms, um, and they, and they're smoked mushrooms. And this so is at the Woodenville cut, cut shop. shop. Yeah. Gotcha. So so those are the kind of twists I was talking about from on the classics. So all right, well let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll look at the latest tidbits from our news bites file. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Ethan Stoll Restaurants. Fresh ingredients. Let's the food do the talking. From house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. Hi, my name's Alan. I live on Lower Queen Anne, and some of my favorite restaurants are Canlis and Toulouse Petite. Hi, this is Brock from the Dahlia Lounge, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show. I am Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here together with Connie Adams, our senior editor. And we have reached the point in the show where we're going to talk about news bites. Yes. Uh, you can keep up with our news bites as they happen by following our Twitter account at Seattle Dining One or reading the news bites column online at seattledining.com. And uh, honestly, there's so many news bites. That we're only going to get about half of the ones in there that occurred during the month of March or May. I knew it started with an M somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, so definitely, by the time you hear this show, there will be additional news bites that we have not discussed here on the show. If you want to get hip to what's really going on, exactly. Out there. So, what do we got? You know, before I jump into the first one, I'm on a backtrack again when we were talking about restaurants in high places. Mm-hmm. I failed to mention that we do have the Space Needle, and in mid-May. No, we don't. It's all covered up. It's, it's no. in gauze. No, no. Mid-May Oh, I revealed. Open it. Oh. Unfortunately, they revealed it on a day that it was very foggy and no one could see it, but it is revealed uh, now. So, and it's, it's coming. It's coming. Send us an invite, folks. Yeah. All right. So, the first news bite is about deep sea sugar and salt. This uh, place has been known for its Georgetown Trailer Park Mall spot. Um... And she sells cakes. She makes cakes and sells out of that. Now, they've op- she bought the old Carlton Avenue grocery space, and they opened in mid-May. So that trailer park spot is open, but the new space is still going to sell some grocery-like items. Where was the Carlton Avenue grocery space? Uh, it's in Georgetown. Oh, okay. Yeah. So between uh, – I guess I didn't write that down. But anyway, they're going to do cakes there as well as some grocery items and keep it as a – Grocery, because it's been something like 80 years or something as a grocery. Okay. Um, Wow, this one looks like a repeat from the first part of the show. Well, that's just where I ate. That's why we came up, but we don't have to do it if you don't want uh, to. Yeah, I'm going to move to uh, number three. Okay. Uh, Rain Shadow Meats closed their Pioneer Square location on May 18th. Apparently, due to rent hikes. Imagine that. And construction issues. Imagine that. Imagine that. Uh, the Melrose Market location is fine, and they are refocusing that spot on their original concept, which was a full-service butchery shop. They also have home delivery. Yeah. Bacon? Who, who doesn't? Bacon to your home. Yeah. <gasps> just order up the bacon on the yeah, internet, and it be there. Another change coming is Seven Beef. Eric and Sophie Bond have, have had that for a number of years. And they are changing that concept to Central Smoke Bar and Smokery this summer. So they're going to do smoked meats, seafood, and smoke-centric cocktails. No smoking allowed. Exactly. Exactly. Except in the kitchen. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Everybody kind of knows about this probably by now because I saw it all over the place. But June Baby wins the James Beard Foundation Award for Best New Restaurant and owner Chef Eduardo Jordan Won the best chef Northwest. Big year. Yeah. You know, I got to get there. I guess I got to go eat there now. Now yeah. that the prices are probably higher. Uh, apparently, the prices aren't higher, but there is a huge lineup every night to get into June Baby. We should go to his other place first oh, okay. and then come back to June so, Baby. That's a Solare? Yes, yeah, Solare. Okay. So the former Lark chef to cuisine, Mitch Mayers, is opening Sawyer in the old Kick and Boot Whiskey location in Ballard, hopefully July. 
He's going for a high-level atmosphere with approachable pricing, eclectic menu, and that's down on 5309 22nd Avenue Northwest. So, so that sounds like an oxymoron, right? High-level atmosphere, approachable pricing? You know what? Copine sort of talks about that, too, oh, although they don't. I'm not sure they're such approachable, approachable pricing, although they've started that happy hour in the bar. But they're trying to do – everybody kind of gets that Seattle and the Northwest is really – they like good food, but they want to be casual. Okay. So – and might as well do sustainable, local, and organic while you're at it. Exactly. We don't even say it anymore because, <laughs> of course, it is. All righty. Uh, let's see. Uh, the La Pasta storefront going in on top of Queen Anne in the former Chocolopolis location. And they'll be selling, get this, ravioli and pasta. At La Pasta. At Isn't La that pasta. weird? Crazy. Everybody, everybody who has ever been on top of Queen Anne, say five years ago, remembers there used to be a pasta and company store up I there. I know they closed it. I'm not sure why they closed that. Obviously, it wasn't wasn't working. We've been talking about the Eritage Resort in Walla Walla, and they were going to open in May. They're really opening to the public at the end of July because private events are going to start taking place in June, and they're going to do some of that and get going and then open it to the Oh, public. you see what happened? You ran your article back in May, and everybody went nuts and booked private events, and so you are the reason why they yes. had to back off the public opening. You know, I this happens to me all the time. Yep. All the time. Yep. Are you listening, Jason Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> Chad McKay? Oh, no, but I remember Crush. When you ran the article yeah. on Crush, and all of a sudden Valentine's Day just kaboom sold yeah. out. Yeah, they said don't don't tell people anymore. Because yeah, can we're you take that article open, down? We're going to open after Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, Scott Kersberg of Lempria and Besato will be opening a restaurant in the former Trattoria Michelli. Uh, if anybody remembers that, that was down in Pioneer Square, and the space has been empty for about 10 years now. Yeah. Uh, Going to probably uh, have a reinvention of Besato later this year. Yeah. And then Ethan Stoll, as everyone knows, is constantly busy, but his Cortina that's going into the old Sullivan Steakhouse downtown and Super Bueno on Stoneway in Wallingford are both open now. Uh, Cortina opened just, you know. Right in mid-May. So is uh, is Super Bueno Mexican food by any chance? It is. Oh. You know what I think they should do is uh, is do a, a promotion where if you get your car washed at the Super Elephant, then you can get a Super Bueno coupon. Ooh. Or if you eat at Super Bueno, you can yeah. get a car wash coupon for the Super Elephant. Yeah, but we do discourage eating the Super Bueno in the car after it's been washed. Yeah, do it before, and then that'll give you a reason to take it in and get the air freshener. Yeah, have job. it detailed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do this last one because it's really for you. Okay, it's it's really good news for you. Sonic Driving is opening two locations. Your favorite place. The and now this is an interesting thing. Actually, I I was making this joke in front of some other people the other day that. Somebody who told me this, and I said, "Oh my God, I've never been to a place where the food actually." Had no flavor whatsoever. You couldn't even t- said it tasted like cardboard. It just tastes like nothing. And he kind of laughed and he said, "You know what? I grew up on this stuff where I came from, and they are known for their drinks. They do incredible beverages, and that's kind of their claim to fame. I think this was Arizona or something. So <laughs> I don't know. 
I've uh, eaten there once, and I'll never eat there again. I always give people another try, and the second time was no better. And if anybody from corporate at Sonic is listening, my apologies. No, but, but your food sucks. Fix it. Fix it. <laughs> All right. That's our news bites. Um, let's take a little break. <clears throat> and when we come back, we'll do the calendar. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Swiftwater Cellars, a Northwest winery destination in Clee Ellum, celebrating locally inspired menus in beautiful surroundings. Now also open in Bellevue. Find them at SwiftwaterCellars.com and SwiftwaterCellarsBellevue.com. This is JP. I'm from Lake City. And one of my favorite places to eat is Cafe Lago. Hi, this is Laura from Kestrel Winery in Woodinville in the Warehouse District, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show with Tom and Connie. We are heading into the calendar section, and new calendar items go up all the time. Check back. And we are recording a little earlier than we normally do, so um, we don't have as many calendar items. So please do check back throughout the month because we add things all the time. You could look right now, and you'd see a lot more than what we're talking about. And the other thing, interestingly, poor dad, people are not getting dad day information out very much. So right now I've got one Father's Day thing to talk about. So um, a lot of those will come in later, I'm sure. And if you if you can't find anything, uh, cook at home and make something really nice for your dad. Yeah. Or make something in memory of your dad. Make his like favorite food for dinner. Yes, I did that for Mother's Day. Yeah. Yeah. What did you have? Oh, you're going to hate me. I had some potato chips and dip. Popcorn. For lunch, and no, no, no popcorn, but I did make a BLT. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if, if I was going to do that for Mother's Day, I would have had to make the tasty casserole. Well, the tasty casserole. Which is the ground beef with the noodles and uh, Heinz ketchup and uh, uh, cheddar cheese on top. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember this or not. When our friend Mark's mother died, he got her recipe box. Mm-hmm. And he had a party for friends, and he made all the trailer trash food she used to make, and they called it the trailer trash party. Oh, Lordy. Did he have any <laughs> friends after that? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everybody loved it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go to the first one on the calendar here. Uh, Monday, June 4th at Serafina and Chiquetti is going to be the Lobo Hills Wine Dinner. And uh, Lobo, Lobo Hills is one of the newer wineries out of the Woodenville area. And when I say newer, I mean, like, I don't think they were around 20 years ago. Yeah. So um, so that's going on, um, let's see. They didn't put a time in there, so um, go okay. to our calendar and click on their website and see what's going on. Yeah, it's going to be $120 per person, including the tax and grat. Excluding. Oh, excluding. Excluding. Okay, reservations required, space is limited. Uh, nothing here really about what the food's going to be, but if it's Serafina, I bet it's going to mm. be good. It's a five-course menu featuring Mediterranean dishes. Okay. And the best of the spring season. So, so there you good. have it. 
On Wednesday, June 6th, Casper's is doing a winemaker's dinner with Sparkman Cellars, also out of Woodenville. Um, and that's one of their most popular events. They love to do winemaker's dinners, winemaker dinners. Um, and they say they're dedicated to the same ideals, them and Sparkman, providing service of the highest quality, supporting local communities, working with the finest ingredients. So that should be fun. It always is. 6.30 p.m., $89 per person plus tax and service charge. So I can't call it a tax and grat. And Casper's, as you may know. You call a, it a, a tax and sat. Oh, no. Tax and sack. serve. Serve. Oh, for service <laughs> charge, yeah. And most of you probably know that a few years ago, Casper's moved to Magnolia. So they're at 3656 34th. Don't be going down to Queen Anne. Yeah, don't be going to lower Queen Anne looking for them because there's a big old building where they were. And the next thing I want to talk about is the only Father's Day thing we have, which is from Casper's again. He's doing a grilling class, and that's on Friday, June 15th at 6 p.m. That's $65 per person. You can sip a glass of wine, learn how Chef Casper prepares a bounty of grill-top specialties. Then the class is followed by a meal of tasty barbecue classics and exciting new flavors. So that's fun to take your dad to. And that's on a Friday? Yes, Friday, June 15th. So then your dad can go do his own thing on Sunday. Yeah, he probably wants to get away from you guys. (laughs) All right, uh, let's see... Waterways Cruises has a ton of stuff happening in June, and why not? Because that's a great time to go take a cruise here in exactly. the great Pacific Northwest. Uh, on the 6th, they have a bingo lunch cruise. That's Wednesday the 6th. On Friday, June 8th, the beer tasting dinner cruise with two beers brewing. On Thursday the 14th of June, Seattle Sites lunch cruise. I bet that's going to happen midday, huh? I'm thinking. Uh, just see, uh, June 20th, that's a Wednesday. We've got a wine tasting dinner cruise with Ambassador Wines. And if you missed it on Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> there's a Margarita Madness Party Cruise on Saturday, June 23rd. You can welcome in summer. Yeah. Most of those cruises are from two to two and a half hours, and prices vary depending on what you know is going on. So. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Waterways Cruises, for using our calendar so effectively. Oh, yeah. Yes. In fact, we can tell you other ways to uh, support us effectively. <laughs> we'll send you a media kit right I'm away with thinking, a rate card. I'm thinking it involves money. <laughs> then on Saturday, June 16th, you're back to Serafina and Chiquetti for their annual retail wine sale and tasting. So um, sommelier Solomon Navarro is back to his tricks um, he goes through uh, their all their wine and looks at what, you know, he's scouring the cellar for unique picks, looks for rare bottles for wine connoisseurs and easy drinking wine for more casual imbibers. So they'll be offering authentic Chiquetti Bites from the kitchen between 1 and 3, and then afterwards Serafina will do an exclusive Saturday happy hour from 4 to 6. So that could be fun. Yeah, Solomon, he's one of the best... Samae's here in the Pacific Northwest. He's a great I guy. Think. He's yeah, and and always happy to talk to you about wine and 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 because uh, he he learns as much from talking to someone else as he teaches them. Mm-hmm. He's always so, open. Yeah. All right. Um, that 
does it's a short for our calendar. calendar right now. So get online and find out the rest of the stuff that's happening. And then uh, we'll take a little break here. And when we come back, we've got some interviews going on. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Nathan Decker from Zilla, Washington. If you're ever in the area, you should stop by El Porton, located uh, at the exit in Zilla. It's a great Mexican restaurant. Hi, this is Jay Friedman from Gastroless.com, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show. We're here with our guest this month, Chef Lainey Carey from The Fig and the Judge at the Renaissance Hotel. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So The Fig and the Judge just opened. It was like May 8th, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's on the second floor of the hotel. Um, Brand new interior and everything. It's uh, quite the place. What made you decide to come on board and, and what was it about the concept that appealed to you? Well, I started at the Fig and the Judge on in December, mm-hmm. and they were remodeling the whole restaurant and giving me the opportunity to come up with a new menu. Oh, fun. And so I was really excited about doing that and, and the challenge. And so while they were taking care of the restaurant, I was developing the menu. Oh, nice. Now, was the name there, or did you come in and say, Fig all the way? No, the name was already being talked about when I started, okay. and so that was already in place, already happening, people talking, throwing around ideas. Okay. And tell us what that means, the whole fig and the judge thing. So we wanted to tie the public market in with our neighboring law offices. Mm-hmm. So the okay. fig represents the fresh produce at the public market, and then the judge represents our neighboring law offices. Oh, okay. Perfect. Of which we only have about six, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, now, tell me about the menu. What What were you thinking when you had carte blanche to come up with something brand new? I I brought what I had learned from White House Crawford in Walla Walla. Mm-hmm. Um, they I really loved the menu that I did there. I got to have different flavors on the menu. And I really thought that would work in Seattle because there's such a diverse population here. Mm -hmm. So I was excited about putting different flavors and, and, um, using what I'd learned there. Okay. And what is fig a favorite of yours? Cause it's in, or was it, did you put it in because of the name? I do love figs, but I incorporated them into the menu because of the name. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, I learned so much about figs. Oh. I hadn't worked with them that much. So in doing this, I, I learned they're very versatile. You can do a lot with them. Oh, wow. Are, I don't know much about figs either. Are there different kinds of figs? There are different kinds of figs, a few different kinds. Um, they're basically all, they, they have a little bit of different texture, and some are a little firmer, some are a little mm. softer. There's green, there's black. Um, but they all have pretty much the same flavor. Okay. So it's just a matter of how you might use them if they're more firm. Or... Exactly. Kind of like an apple. Hmm. Okay. All right. 
Now, I had the feeling from reading the things that I read that lunch is kind of the big thing there. Do you think that what might draw people in for dinner? I think that being able to go somewhere close or even the, our, our surrounding um, businesses and the people that stay in the hotel, mm-hmm. to be able to just come down and eat really good food and a reasonable mm-hmm. cost and the atmosphere is great. Um, the menu is, changes seasonally or okay. it will. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll keep it interesting. And I think, hope, I'm hoping that's what brings people in for dinner. Yeah. It's a difficult thing. I've worked with restaurants downtown, and um, people go home. It's yeah. like they don't want to deal with it, and they're not going to invite their family in to come in at 5 or 6. I right. think they should all eat downtown and then go home. And then go home. Yeah. So but, that we don't have this massive traffic jam. Yeah, night. but then they're not with their families. That's That was the thing I always ran into. It's like, how do you get around that? But, you know, when you're talking about law offices... Those people work a lot of hours. Yeah. So I think that that might be something that helps you, you know, yeah. because they're they're not going to be off at 4.30 or 5 at night. They're not going home for dinner probably. Yeah. All the time anyway. Or maybe they can just stop up and grab something and bring it home. Yeah. That's the <laughs> other option. Good thinking. Um, are you going to do a lot of, not necessarily grab and go, but you would fix stuff up and then send it home? We can. Yeah. I always like to serve in the restaurant so that it's plated how I want it to be plated. Yeah. And, and so it's hot. It's hot. Um, but for sure, we would, we would yeah. be happy to make anything to go for anybody. Yeah. And of course, you have options that aren't necessarily hot. They could have something really delicious that's not going to cool down on the way home and have to be reheated or yes, something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We have a lot of really good salad options. and Yeah. And uh, and I was looking at the menu, and their fig is used in different ways, and it really sounds good. Yeah. I mean, I think people, at least I'm familiar with things like fig jam, but there were other things on the menu that looked really tasty. Well, I do a fig and port reduction on the chicken ballantine, mm. and the on our fig and judge burger, it's a fig and onion jam, so it's a little savory. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then my Hungarian shortbread, that has fig jam in the center. Mm, yum. What is... Do you, what, do you suppose there's a fig balsamic out there? Yes, yes. there absolutely yeah. is. That yeah. might be kind of good. And a fig glaze. Yeah. Mm. What does Ballantine mean? Is that a name or is it a cut, a chicken? It is... It's not a cut. It's the the way... It's the technique that it's cooked, oh, how okay. it's put together. So a Ballantine is uh, pounded out thin chicken breast or thigh. I do thigh because that's my favorite portion mm-hmm. of the chicken. And then it's usually stuffed with whatever you want to stuff oh, it with. And okay. then you roll it up and oh, sear it okay. and roast it. Mm, that sounds good. It's like a chicken taquito. <laughs> <laughs> a chicken and fig taquito. Just exactly what you were thinking. <laughs> One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is that in Seattle, people always have this feeling that hotel restaurants aren't as good. And it's not true in other big cities. You you know, people flock to restaurants in hotels. So I'm hoping that that has changed because we have some good hotel restaurants. But how are you, what are you guys thinking about in terms of that, like in helping change that? Well, I think that the Fig and the Judge is different from a lot of hotel restaurants because it ha- it's chef-driven. Mm. Um, a lot, and it's small. It's not a chain. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, it gets uh, more attention than yeah. some of the other hotel restaurants. And I, I'm allowed more creativity than a lot. Renaissance oh. 
gives me allows me to do more with my menu than a lot of hotel chains mm-hmm. have very strict standards and and the menu can't change all the time and so i think that this the fact that I can do this means it's more like a restaurant in town than yeah. than a hotel restaurant. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it, too, and the prices aren't outrageous, which is another thing. Yeah. I think it's not like, and I'm going back a number of years here, but it's not like stars coming into town and blowing out everybody with their prices because they're so great. You know? yeah. And it, if you're fighting that uh, feeling of people about hotel restaurants anyway, and then you charge... Yeah. And it may have been worth it. You know, I mean, their food may have been worth it. I don't even know. But um, people need to have a reason to come in, and they're going to be put off. By so really th- high prices. Yeah. yeah, and I think this is seems reasonable. I wanted to keep it that way so I can get the big crowd and not, not just people that have a lot of yeah. money. I want everybody to be able to eat there. Exactly, and that is your point. It's not just a place for hotel guests. No. Yeah. No, I want, I want all of Seattle to come in and try my food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's a fair request. So tell me a little bit more about White House Crawford. You had said earlier off um, mic that you'd moved there about eight years ago. What took you over there? Was it White House Crawford or did you end up there? No, I decided to, when I was in culinary school, I decided I was going to move to Walla Walla. Oh. And I did my internship at the Olympic Fairmont Hotel and while I was doing that, I started researching restaurants in Walla Walla, and White House Crawford just really stood out. It, mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful space, this huge um, open space with windows into the attached um, winery, and it's Seven Hills, and it, the food was what I am bringing to mm-hmm. um, the Fig and the Judge. It was a menu that was all over the place with flavors and... Um, so I applied, and at first, Jamie Guerin, he's the owner. Mm-hmm. At first, he didn't call me right back, but Gavin from... Stevenson? Yep. He called Jamie, and Jamie called me. I'd been living in Walla Walla for three days when Jamie called me. Oh, my gosh. And he said, will you start on Friday? And I was like, sure. So within a week of living there, I started working at White House. Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Yeah, and I you worked your way up. I did. I learned a lot. Jamie kind of took me under his wing. He, they started me on what's called Whitman Weekend there, which mm-hmm. is one of their biggest weekends. All of the parents coming to see their children's dorms mm-hmm. and meet the staff. And um, that's the weekend I first started. Oh, my gosh. And it was crazy. And after that weekend, Jamie was like, hmm, I think I got something, I think. And <laughs> he took me out. under his wing, and, and I just worked my way up to the top. That's amazing. And then you... You moved back about a year ago. You said your family was in this area. What made you move back? My family. It was that family. Yeah, just missing them too much. My boys are here, all my brothers and sisters, and my fiancé. Uh, so it was time to come home. Yeah, time to come home. Hard to be away. Yeah. Gosh. Now, what do you see as the differences between the two, White House Crawford and this? I mean, you've said you're going to bring a lot of that menu that you did there. What's, what's different about being in Seattle in a bigger city, more people coming through and... It's the competition is there's some really good places to eat in Walla Walla and it's growing and growing. Mm-hmm. And by the time I left, we had some competition, yeah. um, but Seattle is just, you know, there's, you could eat somewhere different every night for a year. Mm-hmm. So the competition is great in Seattle, um, but it's exciting because it's kind of challenging for me yeah. and um, working in a, in a hotel um, I've never done. So it's a, 
way bigger feeling yeah. um, as being in a little restaurant, although we weren't little, mm-hmm. but compared to. Yeah. Um, so it's t- it's taken me some getting used to, but I think yeah. I'm starting to get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> are, are you in charge of, like, room service and everything, or is that another? We do do room service out of our kitchen. Um, we do club lounge out of our kitchen. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we do the restaurant, the bar, and and room service and club lounge. Wow. And is club lounge high up? It is. It's on the 28th floor. Okay. And it's um, members, elite members. Oh, dining. okay. Okay. Fabulous. The menu is the same for everybody, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you don't have to feel abused no. if you no. can't get up there. No. <laughs> <laughs> but your room service menu is pretty fixed, isn't it? Our room service menu is. I am allowed to change it occasionally, but not too often because of the print. Um so it is, and there's definite standard requirements on the room service menu, more than on my dinner, lunch and dinner menu. Um, breakfast is very, very standard, too, but I was allowed to do pretty much whatever I wanted with lunch and dinner. Oh, good. Interesting. Because I think if you get called to the seasonal room service menu, they'd be running. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Nope, it stays, I think I get to change it every six months, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be interesting, though, to have a seasonal room service menu. Yeah. Hey, Keep I'm going to trademark on. that. You heard it here yep. first. <laughs> that would be that would be cool. From the Crow's Nest Studio. <laughs> well, on that on that kind of angle, what would you like to see happen in terms of growing and evolving the restaurant and and I know you did a lot of tasting menus and pairings too. So is that Yeah, that's really I really want to I want to be able to grow to incorporate some, a little bit more specialized menu items and to do I want to start doing parties where I, I have special tasting menus with wine pairings. Uh-huh. I really love that. That's one of my passions is to do that. And um, if, I, if I can do a specialized menu, it makes it fun for me, too, because I'm not just cooking the same thing I cook every day at the mm-hmm. restaurant. Exactly. I really I want to get to that point where we have a lot of that going on. It's really fun. Yeah. That will be great. A lot to look forward to. Yeah. And she wants her first James Beard Award. Yes. Well, I'm assuming that's in the works for next year already. So. Oh, of course. <laughs> I have a question. Give us, give us a Seattle dining exclusive. So you're cooking at home as well, right? When I can. Is there anything, <laughs> anything between the kitchen over at the Fig and cooking at home that you're kind of tinkering around with right now that we might see come up in the future? Are you getting better at? cooking different ways to do shrimp or anything like that or or you know what 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 what's going on in the test kitchen oh right now? boy i sure did a lot of that when i was developing the the menu and i'm actually playing around with uh two new dishes i'm going to put on the menu um, i'm going to do lamb and i'm going to do pork and so yeah. i have been playing around with with those at home a little bit and um yeah, my fiance loves to be the, oh, yeah. the <laughs> guinea pig. Loves to be the first judge of my. Do patients. you brine the pork? I do brine the pork. Okay, yes. and what about the lamb? You do a marinade on the lamb at all? I'll do a marinade on the lamb. What's in the marinade? I haven't decided exactly what I'm going to put in the marinade because I don't know what I'm going to put with the lamb yet. But more than likely, it's going to have rosemary and garlic and thyme. Those are the lamb classics. Lamb Sounds classics. like my patio. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
It smelled so good the other night when he was barbecuing that even his neighbor who dislikes lamb was like, that smells good. I love lamb. Because I do the wood chips, too, in the the barbecue. Oh, yeah. So then you got the wood chips going. You got the rosemary. I'll take a sprig of rosemary and put it on top of the wood chip box. Oh, yeah. So then it's just like, oh. Smells so good. Smokes it right into the meat. Mm -hmm. Good. That sounds delicious. Well, Lainey, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having We're me. We're excited for the new spot in downtown. I am, too. Yeah. All right. All right. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Blue Acre Seafood, an American seafood restaurant using only the best quality ingredients. Offering delicious combinations and fabulous flavors. Find them at 1700 7th Avenue in downtown Seattle and at blueacreseafood.com. Hi, my name is Christina and I live in Redmond, Washington. One of my favorite places to go in Seattle is La Toulouse Petite and it's so amazing for Cajun. It's just amazing and they have tapas and drinks and you can be there for hours and it's amazing. Hello, I'm Larry Graham with Queen Anne Olive Oil and welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. We're back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Aaron, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, and we are ready to do an interview with a special guest, a winemaker from Walla Walla. Yes, indeed we are. We're here with Cameron Contos of Contos Cellars. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Or glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> we are... Um, lurking above Main Street in Walla Walla. We're on a little road trip here for February's for Foodies. So um, we're talking to Cameron about a lot of things. And I want to go back first, and ultimately I want to know why you wanted to start your own winery. But let's go back into your background. What led you to this point? Uh, so it all started when I was 18 years old, senior, senior year in high school, and mm-hmm. kind of just slacking off in school and not really knowing what I wanted to do. And um, my dad had started uh, Fort Walla Walla Cellars oh, with... Yeah. Um, about 11 other golfing buddies. And then, uh, so I was just hanging out with him, learning how to make wine and, uh, loved it, pursued it. And then, uh, um, just got really ambitious for it and got, became assistant winemaker at Ford, Ford drawn cellars. Oh, wow. I was there for eight years. And then, uh, yeah. my oldest brother and I decided to start this winery up. So. Oh, okay. So you're doing this with your brother. Yeah. Okay. And he is older. So. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Four and a half years. So. Oh, that's. I, I have brothers, and they always say they introduce themselves to people as my younger brothers. Oh, and, yeah. And I'm the baby. They just do yeah. it to annoy me. So I know brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, did your wife? Is she involved? Uh, she's a. I mean, she's a partner, but she's a okay. uh, uh, labor delivery nurse. Oh. Um, wow. And then uh, my brother's wife. She's she's involved too, and mm-hmm. um, they kind of Chris and Kelly tend to get together and. Uh, collaborate how they think the taste room should be ran and oh, yeah. um so they override you guys and well yeah i just <laughs> they 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 have their vision of how they want the taste room ran and mm-hmm. um and then i i do all the winemaking and the the sales side mm-hmm. so did your brother also grow up obviously with the same father so yeah they yeah. uh he he was had that same interest oh well, well his so we actually go back uh our kids are the seventh generation walla walla uh oh, so wow. it goes back to 1858 oh my gosh um and uh, so 
he he became a wheat farmer, and then um, sorry, my middle brother um, he became a pilot for Alaska Airlines, and then I became a winemaker, and Mm. that happens to be all three of the things that my dad had uh, career path at some point or another. Oh, interesting. Or because he was a pilot for a while, never went commercial, just flew helicopters and planes, and then he uh, started a winery and he farmed uh, still farms wheat. So that's amazing. So (laughs) is your brother still farming wheat? Yep. So it's just yeah. a... Yes, my brother and my dad still farm probably right around 9,000 acres um, wow. north of town. So That's amazing. <laughs> so has your, does your dad still own Fort Walla Walla? They actually they uh, decided that they want to go golfing for some reason. <laughs> um, so it's they, in the uh, way. Yeah, so it was him and his business partner, Jim, uh, the two of them decided to uh, sell off the product and... Um, close up shop and okay, um, and uh, go golfing three times a week as opposed to one or two. So <laughs> oh, they had a tough life anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so what? Obviously, you couldn't take over that. Not being a family business like that, it was partnerships. So what made you? Did you always want your own winery? Well, it was. I kind of always had it in my mind to um, potentially take over the uh, uh, to. Um, take over the Fort Walla Walla sellers, mm-hmm. but um, but in the meantime, we had started up our own project, and it just kind of took off, oh. um, and we've done really well with it, and mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of hard to, uh, uh, and then by the time it got to the point where they were getting close to shutting down, it's like, can't really justify to take over theirs and keep and ours keep running, because it basically had to start doing some rebranding, because um, they were... Uh, down, downsizing on their the amount of wine they had, and, oh, okay. um, so then we'd have to go out there and rebuild that brand again. Yeah, so. uh, better to start over and just <laughs> yeah. keep your own. Yeah. Um, do you have vineyards, or are you sourcing grapes? It's all contract okay. uh, between starting a winery and starting a family. That was that was uh-huh. enough work for us. Um, yeah. I've uh, I have three daughters. Uh, oh, my my brother has uh, my oldest brother has two daughters, and then. Uh, uh, my middle brother has three, so oh, <laughs> all girls, all girls, yeah. Wow, yeah. And then, um, so there's a whole slew of girls running around. But. <laughs> <laughs> They'll take over. Yeah. They will take over. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your ultimate goal with your winery? I mean, do you want to grow it? Do you want to stay a well, certain we're, size? We're kind of right on track of what we want to do. We're our goal is to um, keep it at a size where we don't have to be on the road that much and yeah. don't have to rely on distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're selling 90% of the wine out of our tasting room, okay. uh, which includes wine club. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we allow 10% distribution. And uh, that just makes it so I can actually, I, we can, I can be home, not have to think about yeah. Uh, or not have to go on the road all the time and mm-hmm. um, watch my kids grow up. So <laughs> Yeah, that's the bonus. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting um, thing. We've talked to a number of winemakers this trip, and they're all kind of in your age range. Mm-hmm. It's the whole new generation of yeah. either taking over a family business or starting their own. Yeah. And it's everybody's got young kids. And yeah. Well, and then the, the older ones, they, they're tired of doing interviews. So. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we're not going down there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what's your process when you're making wine? What are you doing? Are you using um, barrels? Yeah, so I, I mean, it's all wall wall fruit for the red wine, mm-hmm. um, being so rooted here, and just uh, mm-hmm. it's all uh, like Lake Huline, Pepper Bridge, Seven Hills, Summit View. Those are my sources that I okay. use, and 
Um, so excellent sources, and they um, they do it the way I want them. I don't have to actually hound them. They, yeah. If I have an issue, they they fix it in the mm-hmm. vineyard side, and um, so that makes makes it easy for me because I know I'm um, have good grapes to work with, mm-hmm. um, and that's where it all starts. Exactly. And then uh, it's all. Um, uh, punch down method, so hopping up on the bin and punching down the grapes and okay. all that fun stuff. And yeah. um, it's my workout for the year, those, those <laughs> two and a half months. So. <laughs> Lose all the weight then. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, um, use, uh, and it's all oak um, age for two to three years. I okay. have a couple, uh, small, couple small lots that are wine club only that are three year aged. So. Wow. And you're not doing any whites, are you? I do have a white, have yeah. A white? It's a. Um, it's a blend. Um, oh, every the year. gossamer white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's. Uh, uh, I actually work with the, my old uh, stomping ground for drawn because uh, it allows me to. Because I don't have the equipment, I know oh, how to yeah. make it because I've made it for eight years over there. Yeah. It's just this uh, by working with her, it makes it allows me to um, have that. I mean, not have to go out and find a bigger building or more equipment and yeah. to be able to do that so yeah and where are you guys not the t- well the tasting room is right downtown but where where are you so the the, production? uh, the the production's actually at my parents house where um it's private ground and can't have a tasting room in that ground mm-hmm. which is fine because my parents wouldn't want that anyway so <laughs> they would so they he had built a shop my dad built a shop to work on farm equipment mm-hmm. and uh shortly after he built that he picked up two more ranches that had shops oh. and so that's when he, he and his golfing buddies were sitting around like well why don't we just start making wine so, yeah. <laughs> so but now you've got that place yeah okay yeah so he moved they moved their production or they finished up their production and then uh then that freed up a lot of space so i moved in and then uh i took it over so <laughs> <laughs> he's never getting it back yeah <laughs> Now, so you're making a Cabernet Sauvignon, a Merlot, Syrah, Malbec, the Gossamer White, and then you've got three that are sold out right now, and then you've got some f- ones that are great names, the Boss, yeah. Progeny, and how do you pronounce that other one? Alatus? Alatus. Alatus. Yeah. So the Alatus is the one named after my grandparents' old sailboat, oh. um, and it's just a little little dinghy boat, 63 feet. Um, it was all mahogany wood, had it up oh. in Port Ladlow, um, oh, took out San Juans, and um, sleep six adults and uh, six wow. and could throw six kids around there and had a fireplace and so. Oh wow! On the boat. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that seems dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's the nice thing is if you run out of wood, you just start pulling from the top yeah. of the boat. And Work could, your way down. Yeah. <laughs> warm, warm. <laughs> and then the um, progeny series is the ones that I that we either name after one of the kids or um, like for instance the. For my kids, I, uh, it was the name of the year that they were born. So 2011 uh-huh. uh, is Brennan. Um, she's my spring release baby. Uh-huh. Um, 2013 is uh, um, Beckett's wine, and she's she was born during Crush. And then uh, uh-huh. Brielle is my newest one, and she was born at the end of Crush. So, wow. Uh, so that's 2017. So she's only three months old in a couple of days. So. I'm thinking Kelly spent a lot of time alone pregnant. Well, that was, that was actually... <laughs> So my wife is uh, is uh, Becca. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> oh, Christmas. Kelly. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> she yeah. may have done it too, but I don't know why. That <laughs> got that the off the kids. website, yeah. so I must have been reading about your brother. Yeah, so Chris had the uh, uh, Chris and Kelly have the two kids, and their wines were the first wines I made. Oh, okay. Um, the, the 08 Cambry and the 2000, uh, 
10 uh, Tate Syrah, um, which is nicknamed for Taylor. So. Oh, okay. And so that's the Progeny series. And then uh, the years that I didn't have a kid, call, didn't want to call it the barren year, so we, <laughs> we uh, called it the Progeny. So. And then um, the Boss is a wine that my dad and I are actually doing. It's a collaboration wine. He's, oh, nice. He's no longer in the industry. And uh, so as a tribute to him, I just we, he and I just started making these four, uh, this small lot. Um, and that's, uh, I gave him full access to the vineyards and full access to the barrels. And, yeah. um, and then we sat down and came up with an idea of what we want to do. And then just continually just call him in and say, Hey, let's go taste yeah. some wines and figure out what we want to do with it. And, um, so we're getting ready to bottle that one and we're oh, doing wow. futures of the magnums, magnums, the, uh, 1.5 liters. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I think that's fun. Do that with your dad and have yeah. something that, you know. Yeah, it just kind of brings it right back to 98 when I used to stomp around with him. So. Yeah, <laughs> it would take you back. Yeah. Now, I read something on the website about the dragonfly story, why, yeah. why you're using that as your logo. Yeah, so that originally started off because Chris and I were sitting around the hot tub, uh, decided <laughs> we want to start a winery, and since every good decision happens in a hot tub. <laughs> yeah. uh, While drinking. <laughs> yeah, uh, we decided to go ahead and start it, and then that night he looks up online and finds out the Washington State insect is a dragonfly. I had no idea. And so he put that label labeled together just for fun to see how it looks, and well, the next day I had one flying to four drawn where I, where I was the assistant, and he mm-hmm. had them flying around his combine in dryland wheat fields, and they just kept on showing up, and it's like... All right, we got to go with that. That's too much yeah. of a sign. So that's weird. You'd never noticed them before. Yeah. Well, I mean, you notice them, but they just don't. I've never had one flying into the winery, and he's out yeah. in dryland wheat fields, and he's never seen them out there. So that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. So, how much are you producing now? Uh, Twenty three hundred cases. Oh wow! So yeah, um, so it's uh, kind of ramped up every year and stayed flat at twenty three hundred cases the last two years, mm-hmm. um, and that's pretty much right at that level where that kind of sweet spot where if you can um, you get much more, then all of a sudden I have to hire help and I have to be on the road more. Yeah, um, back to what you didn't want to do. Yeah, and my my love is to be uh, the one making the wine and. Um, I have a lot of pride in the fact that I'm the only one touching that wine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's well, it's a big deal. Yeah, you know that everything that comes out yeah. is yours. Yeah, yeah. So I get all the credit and all the blame. So <laughs> <laughs> mm, there's always a drag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you see the future going? You don't want to get too big, so you're kind of yeah, where you want to be. Just uh, continue to try to uh, keep up with the pace that we're at with selling ninety percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that 10% distribution, just keep on keep the focus at um, trying to be the majority in the restaurants. We're not at the price range to be able to keep it in the glass pour, but at least yeah. we view them. We view distribution as a um, um, kind of a marketing tool. It's not really a priority of ours to have it there, but we want to mm-hmm. we want to have that wine or that name and the uh, label for people to see around the northwest Mm -hmm. yeah so they immediately know what it means yeah and then they remember Mm -hmm. to stop by in the taste room and buy some wine so what about the um i'm blanking on the name of it right now the machines that you can uh uh, a lot of restaurants have them now and you can open a wine and it stays good for a long time yeah they uh and i forgot what they call them too but there's a couple different names nitrogen push yeah um and um or argon and yeah so that you can I'm actually in a couple of places that have those, and mm-hmm. so they can you can go up and put Do the credit glass. card in and 
by it. That's oh, the, okay. In and, Idaho, they, they're allowed to do that. And in wow. Washington, they're not allowed to do that yet. But That's you just, amazing. You can just yeah. self-service. Yeah, you just walk in there. It's, I think it's bean, something Vino, Bovino, uh, Bravano. Uh, it's in Boise. I can't, yeah. I'm blanking the name right now. Yeah. But uh, again, I have to pull my email up yeah. to remember everything. <laughs> but um, they, you just slide your credit card in there and pick your wine and it pours yeah. it for you. So. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I had never heard of that. Yep. So we're last... gonna have that at Seven Eleven pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, that's gonna really. Yeah. <laughs> well, I should probably be okay. It'll be a better class of people going into Seven Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of last question before we let you go. What, okay. What, what's the like one thing you would really want people to know about your wine? Um, it's just uh, the passion. That's I mean, that's we're driven by passion. Um, I always say it's not. It's the passion that drives me. It's not the paycheck, and uh, so and you can see it in the wine, and you can hear it in the story. When we when people come to the tasting room, we have just this wide range of stories that keeps you entertained throughout mm-hmm. the um, throughout uh, the whole time you're there. And um, and yeah, we have a we have the history to tell, but we also have a lot of we have a very entertaining side that yeah. um, to make people laugh. The ones that want to, so yeah, <laughs> and those are the ones you want to keep around. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a question. So your tasting room is out here on Second Street at Maine, mm-hmm. and uh, we used to enjoy years ago going up in the top of what was then a wine bar and hanging out in a loft upstairs. Yeah, uh, I walked by. Uh, we're recording this at the end of winter right now, and I walked by the other night on Friday, and it was not open. So, um, what's what's happening with that space? Do you open that up for longer hours in the summer? What, what, so tell me more. So we, we're one of the ones that actually stays open later. Um, and so our hours are 11 to uh, typically at least 6.30, but it ends up being pretty much every time on the busier days, uh, 7.30 or 8, 8 oh. o'clock. Um, and then we do music every other weekend, um, give or take. And, yeah. So and we were then, on an uh, off weekend for the music. Yeah, I mean, it just depends. We had music, or we had a comedy club last weekend. Oh, okay. um, and then we have music uh, this coming week, not this. Uh, it would, no, it, I guess we were on Sunday, so it'd be on mm-hmm. Friday. We have music. Um, so we're, it's just, uh, and that was a bar that you walked, that you were going yeah. into. Where yeah, that a, was on the, yeah, on the sort of the left room. side of the building, and it also has a little patio on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we're and that's our spot, but we don't. We're not a bar; we're a tasting room, and right. Um, but we do have the later hours. It's just, uh, but we're not. We we don't want to be a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We we try to get the music on the earlier side, and then uh, be done by nine ten o'clock. Okay, yeah. and then they can go off and do what they want. And, yeah, <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> try to. We'll get them started, and then they go finish getting drunk later on somewhere else. So. They'll start First with the crawl. good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> First crawl stop. Yeah, and then we actually have food delivered to us uh, oh. from Olive. Oh, okay. Um, so they just uh, so people that want to order food, they can just we just call them in, and then they just run it over to us. Oh, so. that's great! So you don't have to like yeah. if we don't sell it, what we're gonna have to throw it out. Yeah. You just get what you need. Yeah. That's a, the beauty of a small area like this with all the tasting rooms mm-hmm. and the restaurants and stuff. That's really nice. Yeah, that's a tight niche town and people figure it out that if they don't uh, pretty quick that when they move into this town that you got to kind of go along with that same uh, mindset because mindset, otherwise they uh, um, they kind of feel 
outside, um, yeah. and it's their own, frankly, it's their own fault. Cause, well, if you're coming in, you've got to <laughs> mix in with what's there. Yeah, because we're a very accepting town, if, if, but if you want to be accepted, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to make that effort. Yeah. Or else get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we mean that in the nicest possible way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Cameron, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a little break, and uh, when we come back... I have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Petra Mediterranean Bistro. Take a journey to Greece, Lebanon, Jordan, and the North Shore of Africa by way of Belltown as you dine in a welcoming atmosphere and experience the hospitality that Chef Call provides. Need a quick bite? Drop into the attached cafe or shop for authentic flavors in the adjoining store. Visit PetraBistro.com for more information. Hi, I'm Tabitha from Walla Walla, and when I'm in Seattle, I love to dine at Terra Plata, because Tamara Murphy is awesome. Hi, this is Chris Upchurch from DeLille Cellars and Upchurch Vineyard, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. show has just about run aground. Not aground, just we're done for the month. <laughs> we're done, yeah, yeah, exactly. Aground we're sounds bad. We're kind of done for the month, but we never like to uh, leave without giving you a couple tips and tricks, and so uh, I think you got an announcement uh, yeah, about our prior interview. Exactly. Um, after we talked with Chef Laney of The Fig and the Judge, we were talking during that interview about uh, how sometimes it's hard to keep people downtown after work kind of an exodus to get home. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways they're combating that is that they've started up a daily happy hour from four to six, and they're going to do some really fun um, things like crab sliders, um, some different forms of edamame, maybe a regular cheeseburger. And then they've also launched brunch. So people will come back downtown or while they're downtown shopping or something, they can have brunch. So that sounds like all good plans. At 6 p.m.? No, no, on the weekends. Oh, okay. Brunch. Hello, brunch. I know. Um, you know, I've always said this, and I don't think I've said it on the show, but uh, if, if anybody wants to be innovative downtown, stop ending happy hour at 6 p.m. People are just getting off work at 6 p.m. We need the working man's happy hour. Run that up until 7, maybe even 8 o'clock at night. Maybe do it at the bar only. Um, but... Uh, you know, some of us are working long hours. We're not leaving work at 4 o'clock and heading down for happy hour. The problem I have with that is that the whole idea of happy hour was to bring people in at times when there's not enough happening so that you've got income coming in at normally dead yeah. times. I'll tell you what's happening at 6 o'clock. Everybody's jumping in their car and driving away because happy hour's over. Yeah. So well, what? Maybe what? maybe we do need to do something, but it's, I, you know... Try it for a month. Anybody, if you own a restaurant downtown, try it for one month. You pick the month, working man's happy hour, 5 to 8 p.m. You know what we should actually do? They should do a thing like restaurant week, but it'll be happy hour week. (laughs) That's what they need to start, and everybody could jump in on that and do happy hour specials um, all night long. And then the line bike people will park all the... 
all the electric bikes around that restaurant. <laughs> I don't even think I want to see those people on bikes. <sighs> okay. All right. So, so here's, uh, you here's, got a tip, I think. Here's my tip. Um, this is something I learned from you, and it's about trying new things at home. Personally, I hate wasting food, and I grew up in a family. My dad was from a very, very poor family, so they didn't know, you know, where food was coming from, and they didn't, he especially, as a young, growing boy, did not waste food. So when I'm cooking something, if it doesn't work out, I take it seriously. I feel terrible if I waste food or throw it out because it's so bad my theory didn't work. I just move it right to the compost bin when I, I do it. I know you do, but it, it hurts me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you really almost never get it perfect right out of the gate, um, unless you've really been working at it. You know, you've really got a better sense of it. But when you first start out, you rarely get it right. So go ahead and relax about that. Get an idea. Try it out. Learn from what didn't quite work. So if it's too bland, what could you add to spice it up? If it's too spicy, cut back on something that's in there. Maybe you've realized it didn't bake very well, but you could barbecue it. It would be great. So do go ahead and try it again. It's, you know, I have to fight myself to do that, but I think in the end, you end up with a recipe that really works for you. Yeah, don't, don't try the same thing again. Fix it. Yeah, fix it. Make notes on everything that's wrong with it and fix it. Exactly. All right. You well, have an interesting topic. Yeah, I do. It's uh, it's uh, it's something that's common in most people's kitchens, and uh, it'll make you awfully sick. And it's called black mold. Oh, I thought and you were talking you... about my cooking again. <laughs> well, we're not going to be adding any <laughs> black mold to your cooking, I hope. But if you own a uh, garbage disposal, I'll bet you if you get if you don't if you haven't already gotten in there and scrubbed out all the interior, including mm-hmm. the little rubber gasket. Yeah. Uh, nasty black stuff shows up. Don't let this get into your nose. But uh, part of keeping your kitchen clean is keeping the black mold out of your pipes. Uh, Keep it out of your garbage disposal because if you're wondering why you got sick last time, you still can't figure it out. You could have gotten black mold into your your, uh, sinuses or Mm. whatever. And uh, it's an ugly thing. And when you're cleaning in the kitchen, do just like a commercial kitchen – uh, you can have a 32-ounce bottle, spray bottle, with some water and a teaspoon of bleach. So you've got some bleach water all the time. If you're using sponges, they like to grow black mold, mm-hmm. too. So always spray your sponges down with, with your uh, bleach water. Yeah. <clears throat> That's my tip. Very good tip. Save us all. All right. It's time to wrap up for June. Like Thank bacon you. wrap? Yes. Bacon. Oh. Or, or bacon delivery. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, thanks for joining us on the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. All right. We want you to dine safe. We want you to dine well. We want you to dine out and in often. Excellent. We'll see you next month. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music, of Fremont icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests 
and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Dog House, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.